Hey, good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year to you. Seems like a mellow crowd out there. Are you all okay? <laughs> oh. I was uh, dead asleep when my phone rang a number of years ago, and uh, got one of those phone calls every parent kind of dreads. Um, I picked it up and the voice on the other end said, uh, sir, can I, is this Jeff Jarvis? I said, yeah, this is Jeff. And he introduced himself with his name and he said, look at, I'm a surgeon and I'm located in uh, Dunedin, New Zealand. And your son is being helivacked to this hospital. He's been in a very bad accident. And he's going to need a blood transfusion. They've been talking with him, and he's not sure that he wants the transfusion. He's not in his right mind. And we need your permission. Man, I tell you, I was dead asleep. And then my heart is beating out of my chest. Kathy's looking at me going, what, what, what? And I said, is he okay? And all he could tell me was that he had lost a lot of blood. And it looks like it was a spleen rupture. And he would know more in a while, but he's definitely going to need a blood transfusion. My son had been down in New Zealand filming a commercial for a, um, he was a, is a snowboard stunt double and had a really bad crash. Uh, I mean, in moments, um, you, you, as a parent, you just feel all kinds of things, but just terror probably is the thing that was just icing through my veins, just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You don't know what to say, what to do. He hung up the phone. I'm looking at Kathy going, Carter's been in a bad one. And she says, is he like, is he gonna live? Is he gonna stress? I, I don't know. He needs a transfusion. It's just this helpless feeling like you're on the other side of the world. You're just like going, what do you do? I'll tell you what I did. I just looked up and said, God, I don't know if you do this kind of thing, but I, 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 need, to, I need to ask for a big favor. I, I need you to come through for him. You know, these kinds of phone calls and unexpected tragic circumstances, I wouldn't doubt if every one of you in this room and everyone listening has had some version of an experience where you were left with some news where your heart just went cold. Ice ran through your veins and you're going, what? 
And often in those moments, I don't care where your faith, what kind of belief you got going on, there, we watch it again and again. People all of a sudden, man, they're like, please. I know I didn't believe in you three hours ago, but if you're there, please, I need a miracle here. Remember one time praying for a couple for their kid. They'd, their kid was a part of the youth group that I was pastoring. And I hadn't seen him at a couple of events. And this kid was his regular. He was older and he was such a great, we were kind of preparing him to step into leadership in this group and he wasn't there. And he just, he told me he was going to be there. Didn't show up. I reached out to his parents and his mom on the other end said, I am worried about Alan. I said, you're worried about him? Like, she said, I'm terrified. I don't think he's doing well. He's not acting himself. He's gone missing a number of times. He won't tell us anything. She said, could we meet with you? And could you, could we pray together? This was part of the way that she saw the way. I said, of course, of course. I remember them coming to my office and she was just like instantly crying. She gave me this hug and so we prayed. And I remember just doing the same kind of thing, just saying, God, we need a miracle for Alan. I, we don't know what's going on. We don't know where he is, but bring him home. If there's something going on inside him, sort it out. Like, I remember ending the prayer and watching this smile emerge on her face and this calm kind of move over her. She gave me this hug and she said, thank you. I just have a feeling it's going to be okay. remember the night a pregnant woman who I knew very well was struck by a car. She was almost full term. It happened just on, just on Elbow Drive. Right outside the big church, just down the street here. We were actually inside. This is when I was formerly part of a different church. Big church gathering. Hundreds of people gathered. Usher taps me on the shoulder and says, you're Jeff? I said, yeah. Can you come with me? We walked out and they said, this woman, apparently you know her. She was hit by a car right on, in the dark. She was coming to this meeting. They've, the ambulance been here. They, they've taken her to the hospital. It's just like, wait, what? We went back inside the auditorium. Literally, the music was playing. We just shut everything down and we told them, look, we just had an accident outside. This woman carrying a baby full term. Would you all just pray with us? So hundreds of people all stood up and we prayed. I remember walking out of that, out of that sanctuary at that time in my life going, she's going to be okay. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? 
asking for some kind of intervention, some kind of favor, some kind of miracle. Or you just, you didn't know what else you could do. And you thought, God, man, if you're there, please. Even if you weren't sure how it worked, even if you didn't know how to even pray that kind of thing, you, you just kind of fumbled through it and said, man, I need something. If you have, or if you've ever kind of believed that perhaps something out there is listening, something out there, some force, some, some energy, some power, some being, deity, is capable of breaking through the physical realm and doing something on your behalf, whether you knew it or not, you have a conception of God that they would call God as a super being. And I don't, I don't mean that kind of ha ha ha, we're gonna call him a super being. It's actually a term that they use to describe that kind of conception of God. This conception of God as super being, it assumes a few things, whether you, whether you knew it or not. It assumes that this entity out there is more powerful than any human sitting here. It assumes that this entity is more knowledgeable. It has an ability to know what's going on. Perhaps long before you ever had any clue that was something, something was gonna happen. And with this particular conception of God, there is this belief that somehow we can influence or manipulate that power to act on our behalf. You know what I'm saying? We can call on it to do something very specific that we're needing. Now, I have to say, I'm very familiar with this concept. I was raised with this understanding of God. This was the dominant kind of conception of God in my tradition. And to be honest, it has been a very dominant conception within our society as a whole. I mean, even Homer Simpson. <laughs> I laugh thinking about it. One time he, he gets in this bad place. He says, God, I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman, he says. And that, and that is actually kind of in a crass way. That is how this conception of God kind of looks at God. It's like a Superman, able to fly in and do something amazing at times. For me, my conception of God, if I was to really kind of describe it as I grew up, I always saw God as kind of a male. I had kind of been raised with that. A lot of the language in the Bible was obviously it was a very male dominant culture that it was written in, but that influenced how I looked at it. And in fact, I viewed God as kind of this father figure, kind of like a super father. Like he was, he, he could love me like my dad and I had a good father relationship, but he was just like times a hundred. He could understand me when no one else could understand me. He was always there. 
This was my conception. He had emotions. He could feel deeply, just like we do as humans, about situations that happen in our world. But more than anything, he had incredible power. A lot of my conception of God was derived from stories from the Bible. I know that. Because this, versions of this is how he appears in certain stories. Seems there were stories in the Bible where someone would cry out and God would hear them. In fact, it even said, God heard their prayers and he responded. And in the religious circles I grew up in, people believed that God was answering prayers all the time. I remember a family who was praying for good weather for their daughter's wedding. We laughed, like, I was the one performing the wedding. So I have to admit, it was an outdoor wedding. I'm like, okay, yeah, God, if, I mean, that would be nice. <laughs> but the weatherman all week was saying, this is going to be ugly. Like, we got lots of rain coming. And I remember calling the family, like, on Wednesday going, do we have a backup plan? Like... You have like, you do have another facility booked, right? And I, I felt like kind of the, the one that was weak in phase, right? <laughs> but sure enough, Saturday morning rolled around and it was Bluebird. I remember showing up. I, my jaw was on the floor probably more than anyone. I'm like, wow. And they're like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm like, you guys got connections. I mean, I can't say I was necessarily praying those prayers, but they were praying, and what do you say, right? I remember reading, recalling one guy who had reached out to me, he got laid off, and he was in a bad place. He's like, I, I, I don't know what to do. He's freaking out. He's like, Jeff, you got to pray pray with me, man. I, I really need, and he was telling me he had applied for this job. He says, there are like a hundred people applying for this thing. This is like, he says, can you just pray with me that I'll get this thing? And it's like, okay, how's your resume looking? You know, like, I, I'm just like, hey, you, you did kind of work on that, right? Like, he got the job. He's like, God answered my prayer. God answered our prayers. And I'm like, yes. I've, I've read stories of people who were diagnosed with cancer. And they enlisted the prayers of their church community only to subsequently be told, this, this seems to be drying up. This is, I remember being in the church when I heard that story, actually. And thinking, what, really? Now, you can call me a liar. You can, you can say, no, that was old BS, Jeff. You, I, I was there to watch some of that go down. And I'm scratching my head going,
Some of it I have no answer for. Was this your understanding of God growing up? That maybe God could do that? Is there some entity, some being out there, if, if you say the right prayer, the right incantation or password, if you get enough people praying, if you pray with enough faith, believing, that God kind of says, I don't know, like whatever, and miraculously something happens. If you believe that, or currently believe it, I get it. I get it. You know, sadly though, along with many of those stories of answered prayer I heard and watched and observed, I also heard many stories of unanswered prayer. I witnessed many of them. In my profession, I've been at the hospital for many, many, many dark, tragic situations where I've had family standing outside the room going, please, will you pray with us? Alan, the teenager whose parents I prayed with that day, they called me about a week and a half later. Alan had killed himself. He was in a shootout with the police behind the 7-Eleven in Ranchlands. Before the police could actually get to him, he shot himself. Devastated, the parents. That was not a fun funeral to perform. We arrived at the hospital shortly after that pregnant woman who was hit by the car came out of surgery. And the baby had died. To see the heartbreak. She was shattered. In fact, only less than a year later, she and her husband had a divorce. Just could not reconcile what had gone on. And it just dismantled everything including their own spiritual journeys. Like, why? These experiences have at times made me wrestle, question, even doubt, if God works the way I thought he did or the way I was taught. I mean, why would God intervene and give an engaged couple a bluebird day and not save a baby? Or or a, a teenager struggling with mental illness? Like, frick. Why not... Okay, forget, forget the individual stories here in first world country. What about the frickin' kids that are dying of starvation in other parts of the world or being sold into slavery? Come on, God. Does God, as this all-knowing, all-powerful, all-merciful, all-loving super being, just arbitrarily pick and choose who he helps? Or she helps, or it helps? 
are there certain rules or criteria that he's kind of following that you may or may not know about? Does it matter if you've been a good person or a bad person? If you've got stuff on your record, is he holding that against you and saying no to you? Or if you didn't happen to pray the right way, or if you forgot to pray, or if you weren't even sure if there was a God and you didn't pray, does he go... didn't have enough faith to really believe that he could do it. Is he going, you, you're pathetic. I'm going to help this person over here. They actually think I'm pretty powerful. The prayer chain thing. You only had four people praying. These people had 200 Have you ever wondered these questions? For me personally, after many heartbreaking unanswered prayers, I came to a point where the disillusionment in God as the super being began to just overwhelm me. I mean, if God can act in this world and he's powerful enough to do anything, and if he is actually answering certain prayers for some and not for others. Pardon me for saying this, but he seems like a bit of a capricious asshole to me. And I was a pastor wrestling with that. At one point, and it just leads me to asking all kinds of questions like, how do you work out there? What is going on? What is your role in this world? Because I've seen things I can't deny. I've felt things. But what? I knew very well the Bible passages that were used to validate this conception of God, the super being. But there were other passages that I had read that didn't seem to talk about God, the super being, in the same kind of way. And I, it always kind of, I kind of went, oh, that doesn't make sense. Move on. Focus on these. But in this time of doubt, you know, you just begin kind of going, wait, what about those verses? What were they saying about God? Is how I've understood the more than out there really the only way that you can understand this thing? Are there other ways? Is there something else, another explanation that could make sense? of what I'm watching and seeing. I had always been taught to believe that there is only one God and that there has always only been one God, which is something they call monotheism. But when you begin to study the roots of monotheism as a kind of a conception, 
you'll find that it's actually a relatively new concept. This was news to me. They think monotheism kind of really got legs in the 17th century during the Enlightenment. I'm like, wait, what? Well, what was it before then? You start going back into kind of the history of religion. And you find actually the cultures of the world. It was more normal for people to worship multiple gods or to believe in multiple gods. People say, well, that was in the Bible. Yes, that was even in the Bible. Polytheism. The belief in or worship of more than one God, man. And yes, the Egyptian, you could could go through all the major cultures and religions of the world. You'll see polytheism everywhere. But when I went back into the Bible and started looking through, I'm going, holy crap. Our Jewish ancestors had a different ways of viewing God perhaps than even I was taught. Scholars would say they kind of believed in henotheism, which is the worship of a single supreme God, but it's not denying that there's more gods. It's just kind of saying our God is the best God. That was kind of common. Classic story. If you've, if you've spent any time in the Bible, maybe you've heard of Elijah. This is a wild story. I'll just roll through this one quick. But it's, it, it's interesting. I began to see it through a different lens as I began going back and going, wait a second. Elijah was like the guy with the red phone. He was, a, he was known as a prophet. But somehow God was talking to him more than the rest of them. And so often he was a messenger. He was going, hey, hey, buddy, God wants something. It wants you to know something. This one point in time, Elijah is really upset. He has a message from God, and it's for the king, the king of Israel, a guy named Ahab. He's going, God is pissed off. Ahab's going, what? Yeah. You've been cozying up with some of these leaders of these other regions who are worshiping other gods. And now your people are beginning to worship Baal, which was another God that was quite prominent at that time. God's pissed off about this. He's like, what? It's a big deal. He's like, it is a big deal. I'm going, hey, this Baal guy seems like an okay guy. No, he's not. Our God, Yahweh, is the God. So he's trying to go in and make a case for Yahweh. He says, tell you what, bring all your Baal prophets around. Bring all your people around. We're going to see who the big kahuna is of the two. So they do. Up on Mount Carmel, big gathering. They say 450 prophets of Baal, which, I mean, Baal was pretty popular at that time. Bunch of people around. He says, we're going to build two altars. Bring the animals. Put the animals up on them. He says, that's your altar? This is mine. He says, you guys go first. No, no matches, no lighter fluid. You call on your God to start the fire and consume that sacrifice. And he says, and then I'll go. We're going to see. So the prophets of Baal say, you're on, pal. And they start doing whatever they do to 
call on the powers of Baal, nothing. They, and meanwhile, Elijah's kind of watching over there. It says he's kind of chirping them. Oh, what happened? He must be sleeping or whatever. You know, he's kind of, hey, you better do something. Get his attention. You know, he's distracted. They pull out swords, start cutting themselves, which is apparently part of the spiritual practices at that time in that religion. They did everything they could, nothing. Finally, Elijah says, you done? My turn. He then took buckets of water and poured it all over the altar to the point where it was just saturated. He looks up, says, Yahweh, do your thing. Incineration. Yahweh wins. This is the story that our ancestors told. This was a perfect example of henotheism. Oh, there are many gods, but our God is the granddaddy, the true God. Now, I'm sharing this story with you for a number of different reasons. One is, there are many different ways of seeing God. And if perhaps you are sitting here today and you're going, when you start talking about God as super being, that's kind of the only conception I've ever kind of, even if you weren't really formally taught, that's kind of what I thought was going on out there. And that's how it kind of worked, but it didn't kind of work or whatever. I'm here to say there's actually many different understandings and conceptions of God. Monotheism, polytheism, henotheism, these are kind of offshoots of the super being God. This belief that something out there can move in and intervene in our physical world. And that is just one family of conceptions of God. You know, in the time that we have spent leading this community and you have people coming from all kinds of different backgrounds. Some, some of you grew up in church until a certain age, you left and something stopped working. Something didn't make sense to you or less convincing and you walked away from it. Some of you walked away because of a tragedy, because of a, whatever. Something was communicated to you because of communicated to you about a conception of God that in your head went, you just went, I don't think so. And you walked away. There have been people that have been dragged in by a partner, a spouse, whatever, and they're going, well, she's the spiritual one. I'm the bystander. And when we begin talking with them, often they'll say, uh, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not really a believer in all of this. And you dig down a little bit further and every so often you find someone who's saying, I'm an atheist. You go, okay. And you dig down even further and often what you find, we've found, is you find someone who's saying, I am not a believer in God as super being. 
And if that's the only option, I said I'm out. And you go, but wait a second. What if the more than, the energy, the life force that exists out there doesn't or here or in whatever looks much different than what you have been told? What if there's something else going on here that looks different than what you've imagined or been taught? Sometimes you'll see them look at you and go, I didn't know that was an option. In fact, there have been many different conceptions of God that have lit people up, that have made sense of even the tragic world that I've just spoken about. Over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about some other conceptions of God. Beyond just God is super being. Now, let me tell you something. This morning, I talked about God as super being, and I know for a fact that there are some within our community where your experience of God as super being has changed your life. It makes sense of your experience and your world. And in no way do I want my story to diminish your story. In fact, I'm going to tell you that over the next four weeks, you're not going to hear us kind of condescendingly poo-pooing certain conceptions of God, because I'll tell you something. As much as I've seen that has made me go, wait a second, wait a second, there are times when I've reached out to God as super being, and it just makes sense of that moment. I'm going to encourage you over the next four weeks not to spend any time and energy trying to diminish certain conceptions that maybe don't make sense to you. Because I'm telling you, life is long. And our situations are unpredictable. Our journeys will take us in a lot of different places. And if yours is anything like what many of ours has been, you will find that certain conceptions of God go, oh, there it is. And at other times, a different conception of God all of a sudden lands and makes sense. This happens. And I think the more that we can engage in a conversation around what lies beyond what we can feel, taste, touch, what is humming around us, How do we explain our world, our life, meaning? The things that we don't just know, but we sense and feel and experience. We call them thin place moments where you can get into a place and the hair on the back of your neck goes up and you're going, what the hell is going on right now? When you have no words for it when you become aware of the different ways that our ancestors from all kinds of different places have engaged with the more than, when you become familiar with these things and all of a sudden the lens that you're looking at life through 
gets wider. In fact, you can, you're able to switch lenses from time to time. It is crazy how all of a sudden these thin place moments when you sense something else is going on here, you can sense it more and more and more. So this is a good news story. There may be one lens right now that just has not fit, but there are other lenses. And I invite you back next week. Vince is going to explore God as hyper being. Oh, it's good. It's good stuff. You won't want to miss this. If, if you have a friend, perhaps you will be in a conversation with someone. Perhaps you've already had many conversations with someone who you know in their own way has said, God is super being is BS. Maybe you need to share this message with them. Maybe you need to re-enter that conversation and say, hey, we're talking about something right now and it might be relevant for where you've been. Share this thing. Share the podcast. Let's engage in some conversations about the deeper and wider of life. I can't wait to see what happens inside of you as you just, and I'm going to say, open up. Open up your mind and your heart to just explore. If you can do that, you might be surprised how different the world begins to feel. All right, that's all I got. I hope you have gone with me on this journey today. I hope if you have struggled, that maybe today, a little flint, a little match, a little gas got lit. Or maybe you re-enter the conversation. Yeah, let's see where this thing goes. That's my prayer for you. Prayer has changed a lot for me. It doesn't look like it once did. And over these next five weeks, as we talk about, do I, do I pray for miracles? I still pray for miracles. Because I don't know. I don't know. But prayer has become much more than just a Hail Mary. And uh, we'll engage in some of that over the next number of weeks, too. All right. Good. Hey, have a great week, everyone. Invite someone back next week for God is hyper being. You'll be in for a treat.